Welcome back. We are ready to go for a Friday on the BetUS Boxing Show. I'm TJ Reeves, our insider from his Fight Freaks Unite Substack and BigFightWeekend.com. The website is Dan Rayfield. We are both in a great mood because we got a big time heavyweight fight coming on this Labor Day weekend. First of all, everybody be safe. Those of you that are traveling and on the roads, et cetera, with the holiday. Uh, I don't know how much productivity Brother Ray feels getting done on Friday of a holiday weekend anyway, but we're being productive. We're here on BetUS for the peeps like we are every Friday at 1 o'clock. How are you feeling? Ready to get underway for another weekend? Yeah, I don't have to fight, so I feel just fine. I'm good. <laughs> Both of us are only talking about the fights, so that's a good thing uh, on that front. Again, thank you for finding us. Uh, make sure do us a couple of favors. Hit that like button. Hit the bell. Make sure that you're subscribing. Our, our audience is ever-growing here with the subscribers, et cetera. We're here every Friday at 1 Eastern time. We've now flipped the calendar into September, and we're looking forward uh, to what's going to happen this weekend, particularly in Los Angeles. Andy Ruiz and Luis King Kong Ortiz in a heavyweight show down two big punchers. Ruiz was briefly the unified heavyweight champion back in 2019. So these two guys are squaring off on a rare Dan Sunday night pay-per-view that we're going to preview first coming up. So we've got some good action there. Uh, we've got a, another world champion in action in Mexico on Saturday night. We're ready to preview those fights in a few moments. And, and most of all, we've been doing well. We had another three-in-one week last week. You and I both, we were on the same fights and the same uh, situation with the over-under. We were three-in-one last week. So uh, we're here to make the peeps some money, right? Absolutely. That's what that's the name of the game. Watch the good fights, put a few dollars in your pocket. Uh, no doubt. All right, so let's take a look at our record here. Not just us uh, blowing smoke. This is legit. This is documented. Take a look at Brother Rayfield. Still remaining 23 picks over 500. And again, for any of you critics, any of you blowhards that were picking a lot of favorites, the idea is to win. The idea is to get it right with whatever the prediction is. And look at the clip that Dan continues to pick at. And not bad from me as well. Still above 500. The show, the show is 73 and 41 right now if you've been listening to our advice so hopefully you will pay attention to all of this uh for today are you ready are you ready dan ray are you ready, ready audience and by the way get going in that live chat with your comments we'll see those as we go along we've got time for questions and answers later on in the show let's get to it as i mentioned it is going to be a premier boxing champions a fox pay-per-view it is sunday night and the main event is a pair of heavyweights andy ruiz a uh, Californian, a Mexican-American, taking on Cuban Luis Ortiz, King Kong Ortiz, who is bigger but is older. Ruiz, smaller, faster hands, big punch. We take a look at our odds by knockout and by decision. This is a fairly even fight. Ruiz, again, is the former three-belt heavyweight champion briefly in 2019 when he defeated Anthony Joshua. King Kong Ortiz has lost in two title challenges to Deontay Wilder, both by knockout loss previously. Intriguing fight with an over-under of nine and a half rounds. Brother Raphael, the floor is yours. Oh, boy, TJ. This, you know, we've had some 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 easy picks, blowout picks, free money picks, some close picks. And I know what the odds say in terms of favoring uh, Andy Ruiz in this fight. I personally think this is a toss-up fight that the odds do not reflect the reality of what the real fight is. So I have had an excruciating time picking this fight. I have gone back and forth <laughs> numerous times. So my pick is my pick. And I think I'll be right or I wouldn't make the pick. But I have to be honest with the peeps, as you say, not with the utmost strongest conviction in the world. Mm. That said, I look at this matchup and I see that number, that fat, juicy number on King Kong Ortiz relative to what the number is on 
on uh, on Andy Ruiz, and I'm going with the upset special in this one. I'm taking King Kong Ortiz. I, you know, you know, when we do these picks, most of the time I have a a way in which the fight's happening. I'll take a a knockout or a decision, but this one's so close to me, I still can't make up my mind. I took Ortiz on the money line. I just think he's winning the fight. He may get the job done with a knockout. Maybe it will go 12 rounds. Uh, I look at his resume. I feel like even though you know he he gets downgraded by some because of those two knockout losses to Deontay Wilder in heavyweight title fights, forgivable losses losses by the way in the first fight, super close competitive fight of the year type fight where he almost had Wilder out. Second fight, complete domination by King Kong Ortiz except for the one punch that ended the fight, and he's got other good victories on his record. Uh, and then I look at Andy Ruiz, and and I think it's a mirage that, you know, you can't take away what he did against Anthony Joshua in that huge upset. I mean, I was there in Madison Square Garden that night, one of the most remarkable mm. things I've ever seen at ringside. But if you take that victory to the side for a quick sec, his resume is devoid of, of legitimate solid wins. I just think that that all things considered, he may have the faster hands, and he may have uh, the, the youth on his side, but I think that King Kong Ortiz is a better boxer. I think he's a bigger puncher. I think the age is overrated. Uh, and I just like him to get the job done. In a, in a really good, interesting, I think potentially very exciting fight. Both guys have been vulnerable. They were both knocked down in their last fights. Uh, this fight is going to be a good one, I suspect, whether it goes 1 or 12. But at the end of the day, I think it's the big man King Kong with the hand raised when it's all said and done. And uh, if I'm right, I'll be patting myself on the back and letting you know about it. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> we'll just forget about it. Yeah, exactly. That's your usual uh, operating procedure on that. Uh, and I should say to the audience, you are usually definitive. I mean, like the alarm clock going off at 6 a.m. It's definitive. Uh, and so on this one, even on our Big Fight Weekend podcast that we keep promoting, you said to me, you got to tune into the Bet U.S. show because I still don't know. So this was uh, on Thursday. You were saying to me, I still don't know. So you're going to go with Ortiz, who we believe is 43 years old. The Cubans tend hey, to play around with birth certificates, ages. <laughs> is he maybe 44 or 45? He's a big puncher. Ruiz significantly younger. And this is one of those times where you and I are on opposite sides of the aisle. I like Andy Ruiz here in this one. Um, again, he has that win over Anthony Joshua. I would submit to you, regardless of whether or not the rest of his resume is good enough, King Kong Ortiz doesn't have a win like a knockout over Anthony Joshua. Maybe that was just one night. And again, as you mentioned, you were ringside at Madison Square Garden for that one night in June of, of 2019. But I still think that means something for Ruiz. And I'm not only going for him on the money line. I'm going for him on a knockout in this one or a stoppage. It's a 12-round fight, so let's get the picks up there. Uh, Dan is going plus 275 with King Kong Ortiz in fight number one. I've got Andy Ruiz minus 145 in this one, so we'll go on opposite sides of the aisle, and you're actually going to double up and take the over here. Interesting, two bigger guys, big punchers, the over under nine and a half. What compelled you to say over in this instance between these two guys? Both guys have been in fights that have gone longer into the fight. Uh, I mean, look, I know that they're heavyweights. The knockouts are possible. But I also, as I've said to you before, sometimes when you have two guys with that kind of power, there's a little reticence to really get in and mix it up right off the bat. And that, you know, it takes a while and that they because, you know, they're sort of concerned about what's coming back. They played a little closer to the vest maybe not take as many chances, knowing they're in with a, also a very uh, strong opponent. You know, a lot of times in heavyweight fights, so many of the fights that they have are sort of mismatchy kind of matchups 
where they can just roll through a guy and the knockout records are inflated. But when they fight the real quality guys, oftentimes they go the route. Now, even even when they've had uh, uh, fights where had been in even type of fights, like take, for example, King Kong against Wilder 1, that fight went real deep. Uh, look at Andy Ruiz in the rematch against Anthony Joshua. That one went 12 rounds. So, you know, yes, he had a knockout in the first fight, but even that fight got into like, what, the seventh round? So there's there's a good possibility that if there isn't that burst early where it's the guy gets caught and gets creamed in the first or second round, that these fights in a heavyweight division, uh, not every one, obviously, but in terms of my feeling as you watch lots of heavyweight matches, that the really legitimate matchups oftentimes do go deeper into the fight. And so I'm basing my viewpoint on that, that this has a chance to go deeper. I look at Andy Ruiz when he fought for a heavyweight title the very first time uh, when he fought Joseph Parker several years ago. Uh, a lot of people thought that fight would end in a knockout. It turned out to be a boxing match and it went 12 rounds. So uh, it, it may not be the conventional wisdom, but I do think that there's a really good chance this fight goes deeper into the fight. And again, when Ruiz fought post-Joshua against Chris Ariola, an aged veteran, he couldn't knock him out. It was a 12-round decision. He even got knocked down himself in that fight uh, briefly, but he couldn't knock him out, to your point. One more factor before we move on after this fight is Ruiz had minor knee surgery. Of course, my joke always is everybody everybody else's surgery is always minor uh, because it's being done to them. When it's being done to you, it ain't minor. Uh, minor knee surgery for him late last year. It's now been some eight or nine months. You do not believe, do you, that that's much of a factor here for Andy Ruiz one way or the other. The knee is... Uh, it's got to be healed up by now because it was uh, allegedly arthroscopic knee surgery, not a major repair, not that big a deal, you would say? I don't think it's a big deal. I, I think that, uh, you know, Andy understands the importance of this fight. If he didn't feel like he could go or it was going to be a problem, he wouldn't be in the fight because he hasn't had no problem in the past of taking longer layoffs. When I interviewed Andy for our podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, he did say that that was part of the reason for the layoff was the knee surgery, but uh, that there was no issues. And I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, uh, again, fighters who have, you know, you call it minor, a shoulder, an elbow, a hand, a knee, you know, it's part of the game. It's part of your, it's part of what happens when you're a professional boxer and uh, you go through the the process and uh, he's done that. And I think it's not going to be an issue whatsoever. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine unless we see him like twisted and fall down, uh, which I've seen happen in other fights actually, but mm-hmm. it's not common uh, that you're not going to hear any kind of, uh, stuff afterwards that oh my knee was giving me a problem all right shouldn't be a factor there again we're on opposite sides for Ortiz. Well, let me just say one thing about that i mean one of the things that compelled me to choose ortiz besides just my own mm-hmm. you know vibe and looking at the fight i even went back and watched some footage of their previous fights uh is partly because the number i mean again i know you want to be right but sometimes if you're going to take the flyer on a fight that's that close in your mind you know, go for the plus 275. You got to, you know, to me, it's a 50-50 kind of fight. So I've got, I'd rather cash on 275, you know, on the plus side of the ledger than, you know, go with the favorite on that. So the 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 pick and making us on opposite sides partly was because there is that juicier number uh, on what I consider a much closer and- and I'm glad you pointed that out because we were on opposite sides a couple of weeks ago for Usyk and Joshua in the rematch, and I really thought that was a 50-50 fight, and I believe that Joshua would be better, and it was much more advantageous for me to take the plus money because, again, that was like plus 250 or plus 300. I ended up being wrong, but I understood the thinking two weeks ago. I understand your thinking now that it seems to be a little bit better on the payout if King Kong Ortiz, who, again, is a big puncher, uh, these guys can both crack. 
So we shall see. It's it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens. That is the main event in Los Angeles, Premier Boxing Champions. It's at the downtown Crypto.com Arena, the former Staples Center where the Lakers play. Uh, that's where this fight card is taking place. Immediately preceding the heavyweight showdown is a lightweight battle involving contender Isak Cruz and a lesser-known fighter named Eduardo Ramirez. So that is going to be fight number two that we're breaking down. Uh, Cruz unsuccessfully challenged for a version uh, of the lightweight title against Gervonta Davis, losing a 12-round decision. But he's a solid contender. Uh, Ramirez, more of an upstart. You see a wide disparity in the odds for knockout or decision. All right, Dan Rayfield, our over-under is 10.5. What do you like in the PBC co-feature again Sunday night, Cruz Ramirez? Listen, this is, uh, it'll be, I think, a fun fight, but I think it's an Isaac Cruz fight. Uh, Isaac the Pitbull Cruz is on a good roll. Uh, the fight that you mentioned against Gervonta Davis not that long ago, end of last year, was a very close fight. A lot of people thought that he won the fight and that Gervonta got a little bit of a gift when he had his hand raised that night. But Isaac Cruz is a, is a solid, legitimate contender in a very deep and quality, lightweight division. He's taken on a guy that is just a guy. Uh, you know, he'll come to fight, I believe, but he does not have uh, the background or the resume or anything in his uh, side of the ledger that makes you think that he's beating Isaac Cruz, who's really looked good. I mean, after he lost against Javante uh, Davis, he, he fought um, uh, uh, Yuriorkis Gamboa, who was a gold medal winner in the Olympic Games from Cuba, former unified featherweight title holder, been a longtime uh, contender in the lightweight and junior lightweight division, and has been a good fighter. I mean, he's, he's passed his best days, but and he's lost some fights. Uh, the thing about it was, though, he had never lost the way that he lost against uh, against Isaac Cruz, who just went in there and just absolutely torched him in four rounds or five rounds and just annihilated him. Uh, you know, it really an eye-opener, because even if you thought that he would win that fight, which he was favored to do, uh, he basically ended Gamboa's career that night, and uh, mm. it was a very, uh, you know, devastating one-sided fight. And uh, he's just on a good roll right now, and I, he's confident. He's, his fan base is growing. He's got that swagger to him. And, uh, you know, his opponent will come to fight, I presume, And uh, but he's just a guy. This is, this is a, uh, a pit stop for the pit bull, if you will, on the way to bigger and better things. All right, do you see there on your screen, Fresh BX is in our live chat, and there's there's murmurs, the peeps, the savages are murmuring that there's maybe a hand injury for Isaac Cruz. I say to you, public, here on BetUS, if anybody knows the info in the 411, the man that we have on, Dan Rayfield, would be the number one guy I would go to. What, if anything, have you heard about a hand injury on Cruz? I mean, I've heard the rumors also. I mean... But I don't. I have no evidence to say that it's real or legit. And again, maybe it's possible. Maybe he did bruise it or ding it up a little bit in the sparring. Uh, you know, the true pros, as long as it's not broken, uh, you find a way to get the job done. And if it's that bad, you pull out of the fight. Um, so you know, maybe it's in the back of your mind. But uh, to me, the disparity between Cruz and Ramirez is even his hand at you know 60% or 70%. Plus, he's got the other hand. You know. <laughs> that you should still be able to find a way to get it done. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but I have no uh, no proof or I've not heard from any like legitimate, you know, firsthand source involved with the cruise people that and there's this man would know. I'm interjecting again. This man yeah. would know if something would, I mean, and, and you should you should explain this too. They're not really forthcoming with anybody a lot of the time if something like this is going on. Now they'll be forthcoming after the fight. Oh, we had an injury in training that we had to overcome. But good luck. Like the next time that a fighter who's supposed to win and he's got a big payday looming comes clean on something that's bothering him before the fight will be the first time that they come Listen, clean before in, the fight. In, in, uh, about that. Good luck with that, right? I don't know. In like over 20 years of covering boxing, the next time I hear a fighter in the pre-fight buildup say, 
man, my knee's messed up. I've had the worst training camp of my life. I'm in no shape. You know, my dog bit me. You know, my kids are mad at me. I mean, my wife walked out on me, you know, and by the way, I hurt my shoulder also. I mean, you just will never hear that. So right. you hear it afterwards. Uh, there's always rumors about what happens, you know, in the sparring session in gyms. And, you know, if it's a bona fide injury, uh, guys will, you know, they don't have a, a problem of withdrawing from the fight or postponing it. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if, you know, this is not a, there's more pressure on a fighter when he's in the main event. Uh, this is not a main mm -hmm. event fight. So when Pitbull Cruz got the, got the fight against Davis as a late replacement, when Roly Romero pulled out before they ended up having the fight, you know, after that, uh, there's, there's more pressure when you're in the main event. If Cruz was truly injured uh, as a, a fight on the undercard, even in the co-feature, uh, you know, he would, he has a good team around him. They would probably sit him down and, and not let him go through with the fight, but they must feel like if there is an injury and we're just conjecturing here, TJ, there's been no evidence presented that he actually is injured, that they would probably uh, do the best thing and, and not have him fight because it's not like he's getting that much money. This is not a multi-million dollar payday. You know, yes. Have there been times where guys go through with a fight when they may not be in perfect shape because there is a ton of money riding on the, on that fight. Absolutely. But in a case like this where he's got so much more ahead of him, uh, I just don't feel like they would risk it if it was anything too serious. So everybody relax. Very valid points on all that. Let's lock it in. Dan and I are in agreement here on the veteran, the championship contender, Isak Pitbull Cruz. We both like him by decision, and you're getting pretty good value by decision. In fact, the BetUS line has it at something like minus 150 for a Cruz knockout. They believe this could be a Cruz knockout. R Ramirez has been in with some decent competition but uh, the decision prop is actually play, uh, paying well, yeah, and we love to double up. We, if, if we the, love to double up as well, my friend, and we're going to go ahead and hit the over as well if we like the decision. Go ahead, Dan. I say if the hand is really a problem, then that probably even just another uh, notch in our belt in terms of why it would go 12. Or, you know, yeah, no doubt. And last the distance. So as you can see on the over 10.5, it's only laying 110 here. It's not a great payout. But you might as well double up, especially if you get the opportunity to parlay that with a cruise decision win. Just take advantage of the over. And Dan is, you're going to see Dan as a theme here for all four fights. He's on a side on a fighter, but he's also looking at the over under in all of these fights. I'm not as frisky, Mr. Rayfield, on the second day of September on all the over unders this week on the show. And we're going to get into that right now with our next fight as well. On that same card in Los Angeles, this is an interesting one. They're all interesting for different reasons. But Abner Mares, a former multi-division world champion, he's been out of the ring not just one year, not just two years. Dan Rayfield, he's been out of the ring four and a half years. He's been doing some television commentary. Abner says, you know what? These guys aren't too young. They aren't too good. I'm going to come back and fight. And he is now in the ring taking on Flores out of Mexico in a, in a first fight for him since going back to early 2018, hello, for Abner Marez. So he's back. You see the prop at over uh, eight, under eight and a half rounds, over under eight and a half rounds. Uh, very interesting situation here with Marez, the comeback. You talked to him recently about this comeback as well. Tell us more here about this. First of all, Abner Morris, uh, in his best, was one of the best fighters in the world. Won world titles in three weight classes, bantamweight, junior featherweight, and featherweight. Uh, as you mentioned, he's been doing, uh, as I wrote in a story this week, uh, I think people today probably more recognize him as the uh, ringside analyst on the Showtime broadcast. Uh, but he's still 
Harvard desires to come back and fight. Remember, he was his last fight was a loss against Leo Santa Cruz in the, in the battle for Los Angeles and a featherweight world title fight that also took place in the same arena where they'll be fighting on Saturday on a Sunday Sunday night. Uh, but he he was then after that loss he was scheduled and signed and in training camp and ready to come back and challenge Gervonta Davis uh, when Gervonta still had one of the titles at 130 pounds. And like a week or so, 10 days or so before that fight, he suffered a torn retina in the training camp. And Ouch. obviously, yeah, exactly. So he was out of the fight and he was replaced and he hasn't fought since. So he went through that full training camp. That was in 2019. And then the combination of the injury, of the pandemic, of getting his, uh, you know, everything rolling with his with his gig with Showtime, other things going on in his life in terms of uh, business opportunities and just doing his thing. Uh, he didn't fight. He wanted to come back. He sort of would go to the gym. He wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And uh, as he told me, he actually was ringside on one of his Showtime gigs, and he was watching these other fights that were sort of keeping him involved and interested. And he would see a guy and be like, I can beat that guy. But then he went to the to do the work on Showtime when Gervonta Davis fought Mario Barrios and saw Gervonta knock him out. And even though he wasn't saying to himself, I want to come back and fight Davis, he was like, you know what? He told me the word he used was triggered. Seeing, seeing the Davis-Barrios fight triggered his desires to come back and so after that fight is when he really got serious about the comeback and he he went and he dealt with the the folks at the california commission to make sure that he could get the license he had to go through a, a very rigorous medical uh examinations and and procedures to make sure that that was uh, something they would allow so his own eye specialist and retina specialist cleared him the california commission folks cleared him uh, they also sent out reps to watch him in sparring because he hadn't been in the ring for such a long time so they were doing their due diligence to make sure it was good he got the license he had to discuss it with the wife and the kids and as he said to me his kids were super excited and as he said my wife not so much but she's on board with it he's in a good place right now he's happy he says he's in great condition uh, he is moving up a little bit in weight. He's been primarily, as I mentioned, over the, the last part of his before he uh, went into this uh, sabbatical, he was fighting as a as a featherweight. Uh, was going to come back at 130. This fight has contract. He told me at 135. But his opponent Flores is also a guy that's been a career long sort of featherweight ish, and so it's not like he's going up to fight some giant, uh, you know, a much larger man. And uh, I just feel like uh, even an Abner Morris after a long layoff. And with, with all that he's accomplished and all of his gifts, that he, and, and the opponent is just a regular opponent who's been in the ring with some good guys but gotten beaten by them on a consistent basis, that that's uh, the art of matchmaking, and that this fight is designed, if he's got anything left, uh, this is going to be a Mara's victory. He's taken it one at a time, as he said. There's not like a, a long-term plan, I want to be in another championship fight. He's like, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my fans who keep asking me if I'm coming back, and if I look good, you know, we'll take it another fight. If I don't, I'll call it a day. But I think there'll be at least one more after this because I think he's going to get the job done against Flores. All right, we're going to go on the record officially in a second. You saw that comment uh, there uh, from Big Fight Weekend about needing, we can put that back up again, Bet US guys. Does Mares need this comeback? You had great insight into yeah. this because he told you something about it, finances are not the reason. Tell them why, Dan, for Abner Mares. Right. Now, obviously, sometimes when boxers make comebacks after layoffs, that sort of thing, it's it's financially motivated. Let's be honest. We all got to make a dollar. Uh, and that's why we hope that people are winning on their bet U.S. bets uh, plug for the for the program there here. Uh, yep. But in terms of Abner Mares, look, he made a lot of money for a long time as a guy who was a regular in main events on Showtime. Uh, you know, he made good money winning all those title belts, being on uh, uh, pay-per-view undercards, the fights with Leo Santa Cruz. He had a lot of you know, if not million dollar paydays, certainly high six figure paydays. Uh, he told me, and when I was doing the interview with him, he says, you know, basically make sure 
you know, when you talk about it or you write about it, to like tell people I'm not coming back because I need the money. People always assume, you oh, know, he's coming back. He just needs the money. And this is kind of a funny thing. On the day that we had set up the interview, uh, he texted me and he was running a little bit late because he was in the process of closing a real estate deal because he was buying a, a, an apartment building that he was obviously had invested in. And so he apologized about that. I was like, don't sweat it. No hey, uh, Rayfield, I'll get back to you. I'm doing a seven figure deal to buy an apartment exactly. complex. He doesn't right. so, exactly need money if that's the case, right? No, he, he, he used the, the terminology with me, uh, you know, on multiple occasions. And by the way, the, the interview that I conducted with him, yes, I wrote about off of what he had to say, but we have that interview on our Big Fight Weekend podcast yep. that people can certainly go at, back and listen to. We ran it a couple of weeks ago and they can hear it for themselves. But he was like, look, I'm doing this for me and I'm also doing it for my Southern California fans. Every time I would leave my house and go anywhere over the last couple of years, uh, wherever, everybody would, would come up to me and say, hey champ, when are you coming back? When are you gonna fight again? And it was something he wanted to do. And again, it's, uh, he, you know, he, he was he was very pointed. He's like, look, of course, we're not doing it for free. We're making money. And that's a good thing. But he doesn't need the money. He's got a very good paying gig with Showtime. He's got the business investments with the real estate and that sort of stuff. So uh, that is not the, the I won't say he's not coming back. He doesn't like to get a big paycheck. Who doesn't? But it's not the primary driving force for this return. Understood. All right, let's lock it in. You and I both like Mares in the return. You're more ambitious than me, though. You like Abner by KO. Look at that payout there. If Abner Mares off a four-and-a-half-year layoff gets the knockout here against Flores Saturday night on the undercard of Ruiz and Ortiz in Los Angeles, uh, I'm not as bullish on the win, W-H-E-N, it will happen, or the how. I just want Mares on the money line. As you like to say, I'm going to hit the single here in baseball terminology. I'll I'm just take Abner to win here in this instance, and I'm not getting as good a value as you on that. And you even like uh, on the prop here on the over-under, you're going to go under here. You think Abner gets to him and gets to him before the end of round number nine, right? Yeah, and part of that's because I just think that Flores is not a, a high-level opponent. Uh, and he's been in with good opponents, but he's suffered from facing them. Uh, this is uh, this fight is made for Abner Morris to look good on the comeback trail. Uh, yeah, Flores knocked out a couple of fights ago. He suffered like four losses in his last seven fights, something like that. He's had some losses. Let's see what happens in that one. Quick reminder, we're coming to your questions and answers. You can see that there on the screen. Make sure you're hitting the like button. Hit the subscribe. Dan, I'm seeing a live audience that's growing and growing here on Labor Day weekend that's on the good. Friday. So, again, we're here Fridays at 1 Eastern time. The Savages are going back and forth in the chat right now. Make sure you find us live, even if you're seeing us later in the day on Friday or before the fights on Saturday night. We're here live Monday Fridays, night. 1 o'clock. Eastern time on the Bet US Boxing Show. Uh, so this is all good. We're seeing good audience here, good interaction, and we're going to get some questions and answers. Sunday night for this big one. Sunday night. My mistake again. Sunday night, a rare Sunday night uh, pay per view. I had like, when I was writing about it, I had to sort of like triple check in my story to make sure I kept writing when I would write and, Sunday. And we should mention this is strategic because there's no NFL football on Labor Day weekend, and it's a big Saturday afternoon and Saturday night of college football this weekend on Labor Day. And Fox, who's doing the pay per view, is heavily invested in college football as well. But this is a smart thing with the holiday on Monday to kind of bring it more as a standalone really on Sunday night. Just one more quick comment before we move off of it. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's strategic. It makes sense. I mean, they had, because of all the football that was going on, we really have a hard time breaking through on a Saturday night. But if they're going on Sunday night and Fox is involved, uh, you know, not that they share with me their advertising and promotion plan, but I would be hard pressed to say if you're not, if you're watching college football as a sports fan 
on Saturday on any of the Fox platforms, you're going to see promotional material absolutely to this uh, pay-per-view and uh, like you said no uh, lots of people are off on monday and they can kick back on a, on a sunday of that weekend and like it's going to be similar to a saturday night and you know take in what i think and i'm not you know it's not like they're paying me extra you know i think that's just a good card and i know people like to moan about the price point but it's a holiday weekend if you get a couple of the guys over or the gals over to the house uh, to, to chip in you know it's just a it's a good solid night of entertainment for you know again if you've got some people to share it not a big price Agreed with you on that. One more to go before we get to some more Q&A from the peeps. This one is actually a Saturday night fight in Mexico. Juan Francisco Estrada has been a fantastic world champion in the flyweight division. He is now fighting Jan. Uh, here is a super uh, flyweight, and it's kind of interesting. He is in a bout uh, in Mexico headlining, and he's got bigger things, Estrada, in the offing if he gets a win. So Estrada is favored here you see heavily by knockout or by decision are over under his 10 and a half rounds. Tell me more about Juan Francisco Estrada and what is looming for him if he gets a victory Saturday night. Well, number one, like you said, fantastic fighter, you know, good chance of being in the Hall of Fame down the road, uh, was a unified champion in the flyweight division. Now he is the linear uh, junior bantamweight division. So that's 115 pounds. He had unified two of the titles, but because of political reasons, he was uh, he was uh, vacated one of the belts, stripped of the other title, but he's still, he's got the Ring Magazine title, if you follow that. He's uh, the lineal champion, and he also has what they call the WBC's franchise title, for whatever that's worth. The bottom line is, he is at worst the number two fighter in that weight class. Uh, you could argue that Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, his great rival, is number one. He's coming off of a very close and controversial split decision win against Roman Gonzalez. I thought Gonzalez definitely won that fight, but uh, he didn't get the decision that night. It was... Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada that did. In any event, he's been off for over a year now, uh, almost a, a year and a half or so uh, after that fight. So this is the comeback fight because the the idea here is that he's going to face Chocolatito Gonzalez for the third time in the next fight. They were supposed to fight uh, late last year. One of the, I forget which order it was, got COVID and the fight was postponed. Then they were supposed to actually get it back together and they were scheduled to fight again in March. And they, oh, I, I tell you what, it was Roman Gonzalez who got COVID at the end of last year and the fight was postponed. We were supposed to get back and do the third fight in March of of, uh, of this year. And it was uh, Estrada that had COVID and the fight was postponed. And Roman Gonzalez fought a late replacement and won. And Estrada is coming back. And rather than go into a third fight with Chocolatito after an 18-month layoff, um, they are giving him this hometown fight to sort of shake off the rust, to tune up, if you will. And the idea here is if he wins and all is well in terms of the health, that he and uh, Chocolatito will meet a uh, good possibility like in December, perhaps in the very early part of next year. But the point is, uh, the third fight with Chocolatito was riding on this result. So he's having a hometown fight in Hermosillo, Mexico against a countryman, but uh, not from that same uh, city. Uh, he hasn't fought at home in the last uh, about three years, and uh, he's excited. He's going to hopefully put on a show, and the idea is to go in and take out Cortez and move on to the bigger fight uh, against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. He's a heavy favorite for a reason. The guy he's fighting only has two argy Cortez, only has two losses way back at the beginning of his career, and they were like split and majority decisions in four-round fights. So he's got a good record. If you examine that record, though, uh, he has fought absolutely nobody. I mean, really, really subpar opposition. Uh, this is the kind of fight where if, if – uh, Estrada is on his game. And he said in the pre-fight, and this sort of made me think even more why this is going to be a wipeout, because he said this is the first time in six years he's going into a fight 
healthy, no injuries in training camp. You know, again, we talked about it, TJ. Guys don't go out there and announce their injuries and, you know, tell people <laughs> bye, I had the bye. worst training camp in my life. But he's saying now going into this by uh, his own, you know, it's not like somebody asked him about this. He said this in the open forum at the news conference. It's the first time in six years I'm going into a fight where I don't have injuries. So a healthy Estrada with a subpar kind of opponent with a big fight riding on it afterwards, to me, uh, all that equals massive one-sided wipeout for Estrada. So that's why I picked them by the knockout. Estrada on a six-fight win streak right now. Three of them decisions, three of them by knockouts. And you against and good fighter, by the way. He's doing that against top-quality opponents, yep. too. And you and I agree this will be a KO here. Again, you're a little more ambitious on the win it will happen, but we both like the knockout. So let's lock it in on Juan Francisco Estrada Saturday night in his bout. We're laying 150 here. But we like the KO, and Dan even goes a step further on playing on the over-under play for under 10.5 rounds. Scheduled 12-round fight. Dan likes the under as well to double it up here, a knockout, and quicker, kind of the same as the Abner Marins fight. I couldn't, like the, I couldn't like the knockout, the like the under. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do this fight and not take the under. It was, it was too appealing to me, and I just feel like it's going to be a, you know, a, a torturous night for poor Cortez. All right. How long by the way, it's last? never been... Cortez has never been stopped in his losses, but he's never faced uh, something that's even like half as good as Juan Francisco Estrada, who's still, uh, despite the layoff and, and, and uh, a lot of tough fights, has still been going strong at a high, high level for, for the last several years. And I think the layoff is going to do him well. He claims to be injury-free, and I think we're going to see an outstanding performance from uh, the champion on, on Saturday. And by the way, for those who care, this is the main event. 8 p.m. is the start time of the main card on DAZN. And then again for the Sunday night card, I know you want to share this for the Fox PBC pay-per-view, what time it gets underway and where we suspect the main event might fall, depending on how how long the, the previous fights last, et cetera. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I mean, like your, like your normal pay-per-view, 9 p.m. Eastern time and main event, you know, again, like your normal pay-per-view, given it's four televised fights, you're talking about, you know, in that you can never be sure, TJ, but it should be no earlier than 11 and hopefully no later than 12, midnight. And, and, and there's also, for those who care also, there's some bonus action from the preliminary, preliminary part of the card. Uh, they'll have fights on regular uh, FS1 uh, and FS2 uh, and Fox in those time leading up to uh, the beginning of the pay-per-view. And there's some fans already asking about that. Some peeps are already asking a couple of questions about those fights. Uh, let me see what we have here on the chat. Uh, I was looking at a couple of people that were asking um, – about whether or not uh, the Aleem fight, I think, the, the Reese Aleem fight yeah. that is on the undercard here, and uh, there was another one as well that is uh, Hefty Banks. Hefty Banks, guys, if you can put it up on BetUS, says, I want to hear Dan's take on a couple of the pay-per-view undercard fights, Aleem versus Plania, there it is, and Spencer versus uh, Salgado. Any thoughts? Reese Aleem is a, is a rising star, right? Go yeah. ahead. I don't know if I say star, but Raya Salim is a very good up. Uh, not, I wouldn't even say up and coming. He's in his 30s already, but he's, he's okay. just a good contender uh, looking for the opportunity to fight for a title at 122 pounds. Very good fighter. His fight against Mike Plania. This was a fight that was scheduled for a previous card uh, this year that was the whole card was postponed. And so this is the rescheduled fight for Aleem. Now, the two fights that were mentioned, one is the Joey Spencer fight. He's the 154 pound prospect. His fight is going to be on regular Fox Network. Uh, in the in the hour preceding the start of the pay-per-view at nine. So he's at eight o'clock Eastern time 
on Fox uh, in his fight. The Raiz Alim fight against Plania, that's in the 7 o'clock hour. That's on FS1. So they're they're spreading it out. It's like you got an hour on FS1, got an hour on Fox, and then you got the main pay-per-view on uh, on the pay-per-view. Um, but in terms of Raiz Alim, he's, he's right there. With a with a with a win over Plania, and it's not. An, I don't think this is an easy fight. I mean, I think that Raiz Salim is uh, the worthy favorite, but Plania is no joke. He's a good, solid fighter, also. Uh, but in in more particular, if it's Salim that's the winner, it's going to put him in a better position to fight for a title. It would not shock me. Remember who they're aligned with? PBC. It's not out of the realm that he could get a shot at uh, the unified champion Stephen Fulton uh, with a victory. Uh, that should be that to me of the two preliminaries that they're showing between the Spencer fight and the. And the and the Aleem fight, the Aleem fight is the better fight in my mind. Uh, in terms of Spencer, you know they love him as a prospect at PBC personally, and I'm not knocking Joey Spencer. I don't know Joey Spencer, but I just don't see it. Uh, but he's gotten a tremendous amount of love from uh, the network uh, and from PBC. They put him on in these big spots. Um, he's yet to step up against a top, uh, you know, a top level guys. They consider him a prospect. I consider him more of a suspect. Interesting. On that, again, Fox has been hyping him. They've had him on uh, free TV, 15-0, 10 KOs. Has he not been impressive enough for you that you're still doubting right now? You haven't seen skills, hand speed. What have you not seen? He hasn't been overly impressive, in my opinion. Uh, The opponents that they're matching with are pathetic for the most part. And (laughs) I just, you know, it's it's, what's the old saying in the old uh, Supreme Court case decades ago? You know, I can't tell you what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, look at Joey Spencer, or I look at a prospect. You, you know it when you see it, and I don't see it in Joey Spencer. Did you just cite the People versus Larry Flint from the I Supreme did. Court case on yes, the Bet sir. U.S. Boxing Show? I believe you did, Dan Rayfield. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not, I'm not knocking the kid, but it's like the hype does not match what the results have been so far. That's all. And listen, and I and I say this about every prospect or every every champion or whatever. You know, let them prove me wrong. Good for them. Okay. I, I don't I don't have any I don't wish him bad or anything like that. I just I, I think that the amount of hype has uh has gone beyond what, what is actually there at the moment. That's fair. By the way, you're born in New York, live in northern Virginia. Just while we're outing our stuff, I was born in Tennessee. I'm living in West Central Florida. Neither one of us, my point, are from Missouri. Missouri is what? The show me state. Exactly. You're saying what? Joey Spencer, show me. Somebody show me. Show me that it will be When he steps up and he fights, uh, uh, I mean, again, he's only 15 and 0. I'm not not saying he's got to move at the speed of light or anything like that. But the the high-profile slots that they have put him in relative to what he's producing seems to be way off base. I mean, this is a kid who I believe, if you say 15 and 0, I would say this will be his 16th fight. He'll have had, I want to say, 14 or 15 of those fights have all been on Network Fox Television, maybe right. one or two that were on Fox, you know, FS1. But the point is, that is a massive amount of exposure and television time for a guy that wasn't a super level amateur, an Olympian, a medalist, that type of thing. Um, and so the hype hasn't, you know, the, the hype is not matching what, I, what the results have been so far. So, again, good luck to him. Uh, people can check it out for themselves uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday uh, in that pre-hour before the pay-per-view begins. All right. So, again, they're going to skip around on Fox over the year on FS1 cable and then get to the pay-per-view later in the and night. I'd definitely say take it, watch that Aleem fight, the Aleem Plenty fight. That's a good fight. That, that'll right. be very interesting. I kind of thought when I – I knew that fight was uh, going to be rescheduled for this show. When it Before I knew the rest of the lineup on the pay-per-view, I thought that Aleem 
and plenty it would actually be part of the pay-per-view it was that good of a fight in my mind so right. it's like a bonus yeah. for those who can watch by it the on. way we'll sit here for a couple more minutes because we got peeps asking us questions let's Bring go to yeah yeah we love it we got juggler if i have this 23 he wants to know from dan any idea why canelo is such a big favorite against triple g uh, he is five to one right now on the Bet US line. So Juggler wants to know what your thought is on him being that wide of a favorite, at least initially here, with a couple of weeks to go. Well, I mean, part of any time that there's a, a an odd that's that's put up, they're trying to engender betting on both sides of it, obviously. So Amen. they have to keep raising the number to get money to come in on both sides. But the reason is probably because, uh, and I don't necessarily subscribe to this, that those who look at the fight and think it's overdue and think it was. Uh, you know, it's past its sell-by date, as they say, and that it should have taken place already. They haven't fought this third fight uh, in a while. They they last fought in their rematch in 2018. Four years have passed, and Triple G is four years older. Not necessarily four years better is what they think. He's 40 years old. And Canelo, despite coming off of a loss against Bivol in a fight that was out of his uh, more natural weight class of super middleweight, he fought uh, a talented, skilled fighter like Bivol at 175. Now he's back in the 168 weight, weight class where he is the undisputed champion. So the combination of Golovkin moving up from 160, where he's been his entire career, uh, and at age 40, and I think they'll look at the last fight that, that Triple G had against Rayota Murata to unify the belts at 160. And while he finished with a flurry and dominated and looked good and scored a knockout, I think that some people are overblowing the fact that he looked a little rusty and not so great in those first couple of two or three rounds, uh, which is forgivable, to be honest, because he was coming off of a, of a very lengthy layoff. So, you know, five to one, if you want to tell me Canelo's the favorite, and I'm sure we're going to have a show where we're going to discuss it in, in, in minute detail as we get close to that night, but uh, five to one seems awfully generous to me. Uh, I'm not saying that Golovkin's necessarily going to win, but you know what? If you get five to one, you know, I might throw a few dollars down on Triple G. On the money because, lines. Yeah. You know, exactly, because this is not uh, this is not a five to one fight in my mind. Maybe it'll turn out to be that way on fight night, but I look at that and I say they had 24 rounds in the ring together. Uh, it's it's essentially even up after after 24 rounds. You know, the, the, the official result of their rivalry right now is Canelo is 1-0-1, and you can make the definite argument that Triple G should be 2-0. Uh, so 5-1 to one seems misplaced, in my opinion. Interesting. All right, another quick comment. This one, uh, let's see, from Paul S. He wants to know about Liam Smith in England, the Liverpool-England fight Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. Hassan is at Mawakino. Mawakino, I believe is how you would say it. This is the main event on Fight TV out of the UK in Liverpool, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night in the UK. Liam Smith is one of the Smith brothers that have fought for world titles. Callum Smith is his brother. That's his younger brother, right? Liam Smith here. Any thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I mean, Liam Smith's a former champion in the 154-pound weight class. If you go back a few years ago, he lost that title to Canelo Alvarez in a fight that drew a huge crowd, 50,000-plus, at the AT&T Stadium. Uh, I was at that event, an incredible atmosphere that night. Uh, but Liam Smith is a good fighter, and he's on a little bit of a renaissance right now. Uh, he's coming back to fight at home in Liverpool. He's, re -signed, he's signed a new promotional agreement with, uh, with uh, the promoter out of England called Boxer, and this is the main event of that card. They're bringing him to the hometown. Uh, the opponent is not a well-known opponent. Uh, I don't think they would match him with that type of opponent in the hometown if they thought he was going to lose. Uh, so while I don't have a chapter and verse on that opponent, Liam Smith is still a good fighter. Um, he had a big win not that long ago when he when he beat Jesse Vargas uh, on, in uh, late April on the undercard of the the fantastic fight between uh, the two uh, top women, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. Uh, and uh, it's uh, 
you know, it's they're they're putting him in position to get another chance to fight for a title at 154. So I look at that fight and 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 I'm basing this mostly on what what Liam Smith has done recently and how he's looked in his fights. Uh, it's a Liam Smith uh, victory in my mind, uh, and it ain't going to be that hard. All right, one more Theo Green watching us and in the YouTube chat. And again, we thank all the uh, the peeps with the questions here. Theo says, "Hey, is Gervonta Davis fighting in December?" And any word on who it might be? Theo, thanks for watching, Dan. Any any murmurs, any whispers that you're hearing about David? You would think he's back somewhere around yeah. December. No, what, he's, what do we know? I mean, again, it's not announced or anything like that, but what I'm told, and I actually had a conversation with somebody involved uh, just a couple of days ago, he's fighting in December. It's going to be another Showtime pay-per-view fight. I've heard there's a good chance it may wind up back in Atlanta where he's fought before, which is sort of like a second home to him. He drew a big crowd there the last time he fought down in Atlanta. Uh, whether it's going to be Atlanta or not, I think will depend upon the opponent. Now, if, if you believe it, there's still been some conversations of them trying to make this fight with Ryan Garcia. If he fights Ryan Garcia, obviously it probably would be in a, a more uh, like Las Vegas type place, Los Angeles, New York, that type of atmosphere, not Atlanta. But the point is, if they can if they can somehow figure out a way to make the fight with Ryan Garcia, you're talking about Let a Let me help you. Can I just stop you? Aliens are going to land on my front lawn tonight before they're going to make that fight for December, Garcia and Davis. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Again, you know me at this point, my skepticism runs deep when it comes to these types yes. of things. So while I'm not in any way saying the fight is going to happen or get made for December, what I'm saying is my my what I am he hearing and what I'm told is there's a much better chance of that happening than there was, let's say, a couple of months ago. Really? Now, whether they can get it over the finish line and, and actually have it happen, different ballgame. The, the main thing, the question was about what his schedule is. And the answer is that Javante Davis's people are making plans for him to fight in December. If they can get the deal done or make a deal with Ryan Garcia, you got a mega fight. If it's not, he'll fight somebody else. I'm not aware of who that opponent will be. I don't think they know who that opponent would be quite yet. Uh, but the point is, uh, we're going to see Javante back in the ring. I mean, he's not injured. Uh, he's uh, coming off of a, of a, a great knockout against Rolly Romero. And he's, a, he's still a, a relatively younger fighter. Why wouldn't he be fighting again? So uh, he'll be back in the ring. It's just a matter of them going through the, the process of seeing if they can make the big fight or if he's going to have to settle for something a little bit less. And maybe the aliens will land on my front lawn tonight. I don't know uh, if that is the case. Well, if they I'll do, make sure they tune into the BetUS Boxing Show <laughs> on Friday at 1 o'clock. Very nice. We'll let the aliens know about that. Very nice on that. Uh, with that, thank you for all the questions and answers. Let's regroup here with what we have on the best bets. And Dan went for the full buffet on four fights with eight different picks. I won't go over all of them. You see we're on opposite sides of the heavyweight main event Sunday night, the Fox Premier Boxing Champions pay-per-view. Andy Ruiz, Luis Ortiz. Dan and I disagree. Dan's going for the over as well in that fight. We do agree on Isak Cruz how he's going to win and when. Um, I, I am just dubious as to whether Abner Mares gets the knockout, gets the decision. I'm just going money line. As we flip to the second page, Dan, you will see, likes Mares in this fight for a knockout and also likes the under as we continue with his best bets. Uh, and then in our final fight, Juan Francisco Estrada, we both agree, will get the win by knockout as well. You see that there on page two. Dan even likes it as under 10 and a half rounds. And again, Dan picking at a plus 20 clip right now on correct predictions since the beginning of March. Let's have another great month here in September as it gets underway. All right, one more time. We want everybody to be safe for Labor Day weekend. 
Uh, we do get some questions every now and then again about our coverage. Uh, you can go to bigfightweekend.com, read us in the recap mode after these fights are over with, hear the podcast with Dan's interviews. For example, Dan is talking with women's unified middleweight champion Clarissa Shields on the preview podcast, Big Fight Weekend, wherever you get podcasts, look for Big Fight Weekend, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, hear Dan with Clarissa Shields. Also on that podcast feed, you got a chance to ask some questions of Dimitri Bivol and Gilberto Zerto Ramirez earlier in the week. Those light heavyweights are meeting in November. You had some Q&A with them. The peeps can hear that on the podcast, right, Dan? Go back and listen. Oh, absolutely. And if they want to hear more about the fights that are coming up on Sunday, they can go look at that feed. We've got the interview I had with Abner Mars. I've got the interview I had with Andy Ruiz Jr. Yep. Uh, we've got some, uh, we had you know, interviews with Arnold Barboza, the junior, lightweight, uh, junior welterweight contender, uh, not that long ago. And uh, we have a, a good one coming up that we'll have on before their fight. I've got my interview with uh, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, and his trainer, Jonathan Banks, that I conducted this week. So, we just keep uh, piling on, and I hope the folks in, uh, enjoy those podcasts, watch our show here, yes. and uh, enjoy the fights. Again, go check it out. Big Fight Weekend podcast is how you hear that. We want you here with us watching on the BetUS platforms on Fridays at 1 Eastern time. I know you join with me, Dan. We want the peeps to be safe, especially on the roadways. It could get dangerous on Labor Day weekend. Be safe if you're in the car, traveling, uh, celebrate safely. And again, a Saturday night fight card on DAZN from Mexico. It is a Sunday night pay-per-view from Fox and Premier Boxing Champions. Ruiz and Ortiz going to mix it up, some big heavyweights. Anything else, Dan, or are we good? That was a lot, man. I think we're good. I think we are good. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Dan Rayfield. Yes, sir. You and too, we man. Thank you guys for watching on the Bet US Boxing Show.